to the Economy Guy. This is Tom Harvey. I give you information and facts and some of my personal opinions on what's going on in the world economy today. Occasionally I'll go off on a little sidetrack, but I can assure you those sidetracks have important economic impacts on what's happening and what's happening with your money. I want you to have the ability to make great financial decisions and informed financial decisions. That's the purpose of today's and every day's podcast. It is Sunday, November 22nd, and this is the Economy Guy coming to you from the beautiful and sunny south of France. I'm having a great time out there talking to the neighbors, having fun. It is good. The food is good. The life is good. Wish you were all here. I bet you do too. Well, let's talk about the markets a little bit today. You know, this last week we had a second vaccine announced with great efficacy and and the stock market went up again. You know, the week before last we had the first one that came was announced and the stock market crashed upward, you could say, which is great. I mean, that's to have a good vaccine is a good thing. It's good to have a good vaccine, isn't it? People will get well, they'll go back to work, the economy will grow. Doesn't that mean the stock market will go up? Well, there's a problem. And the problem is that the market never went down when this virus came out in the first place. I mean, yeah, it crashed, but it came right back. In fact, the market before the vaccines were announced were as high as the market was before the virus hit us. So uh, it, that's crazy, right? Well, why did that happen? Well, the answer is really simple. It's the Fed. Stimulus. It's all of that good free money coming into the market. So what are we going to do today to enjoy ourselves? Well, I'll go through the markets a little bit pretty quickly here. I think then I'm going to uh, talk about I'm going to give you my retirement plan that I created for myself when I was 14 years old. That's uh, and I'll, I have a lot to say about that one because uh, it was a great plan that got sabotaged by somebody. And, and then I'm going to really give you a bunch of thoughtful questions for you to figure out yourself. Some of them I might throw in some answers. Some of them I won't. Uh, they're there for you to talk about. So these are areas of Mental stimulation, you might say. Things for you to think about what's really going on and for you to hang on to. So, let's hit the markets. I mean, the markets are pretty simple today, right? The markets were easy to understand. Stocks went up and stocks went down. Kind of ended where they started. That was the virus went up, went down. Started to cool off at the end of the week. Oil's up a little slightly, about 42 bucks a barrel. That's kind of a good place. It uh, encourages fracking and uh, lots of drilling, new uh, wells going in. The dollar went sideways, my normal way of places to go in. Bonds went sideways, gold. Uh, two weeks ago, gold fell significantly this week, and it, and it came back a bit. This week, it fell down just a little. In both cases, it was still within the trading range. So it was basically a sideways move for gold as, as long as it's within the range. That's the markets. So nothing new in the markets. Uh, the Fed money is keeps pumping and uh, keeps the markets active and alive. And, uh, and uh, everyone's 401k who has it is happy, right? 
more of that in the in the future. So now I would like to tell you my retirement plan that I created for myself when I was 14 years old. I was pretty good with math and it was a pretty simple plan, but as I look back on it, it was a darn good plan actually. But at that time, I said, well, I have a bank savings account. It's paying 4% per year, 4%. It's exciting to hear those, the good old days, right? And I said, all I need is about a million dollars. If I can accumulate a million dollars, put it in the bank, and get 4% every year on it, the bank will pay me $40,000 of interest. And I can live like a king. Why could I live like a king? It Because at the time I created that plan, far less than 10% of the population made more than $10,000. Everybody was making five, $6,000 a year. $40,000 was a huge amount. And indeed, you could live like a king on $40,000 a year. The plan was sound. The plan was good. Banks were stable. Banks, interest rates were stable. They were 4% for a long, long, long time. Well, here's the bad news. That plan was destroyed for two very good reasons. It's unworkable today, right? Let's talk about the reasons. The first reason is inflation. I knew that we had inflation then. I was aware of inflation. And, uh, but today, is the inflation rate is, uh, according to the Fed, wants it to be 2 to 3% a year, right? So my uh, future uh, $40,000 per year would be worth a lot less in buying power as it deflated through inflation over the years, over the decades, in fact. And isn't that true? I mean, look what's happened. $40,000 isn't that much today. It was live like a king then. It's not today. It's kind of below the average income, which is around $52,000, $54,000 a year in the United States. So what happened? Why, what, what, why is it worth less? What, what's going on? Well, it's the Federal Reserve stated policy to have inflation. They want it to be more than 2% right now. They're having a hard time getting there. That's their problem. Uh, but that's what they want. So the question for you is, is purposeful inflation a crime? I mean, it destroyed my, totally destroyed my retirement plan. But there's a second reason. And that is, today's bank interest rate is not 4%. It's less than 1%. In fact, it's zero or one-tenth of a percent if you put money in the bank. So you can't get interest on, I don't care how much money you have, you can't just live off of the interest. People are having a hard time doing that generally. It's people in retirement and seniors who have a bank account and they want to live off the interest. Why is the interest rate so low? Well, it's very, again, very simple. The Federal Reserve has responded to the emergency conditions that we have with the virus and have forced interest rates down to zero. Rrr. Question for you again is, is this a crime? You know, well, you see, when you have low interest rates and you have money in the bank, you are forced to look for a higher yield investment. 
And that, that means you will pick riskier investments. And that means that in shaky and uh, economic times, you can possibly lose your money because of a, that investment. So is it criminal for the Fed to force save, people with savings to take riskier investments? That's, I'll leave that for you to conclude. But there are, are there two crimes being committed here? And the Fed has trapped itself in, remember what I said a few weeks ago, a debt trap. They are trapped in this and forced, forced today to stay at low, if not zero, possibly negative interest rates. So let's get into the questions that I want to ask you to think about. You see, over the next couple of weeks, the only thing you're going to get from the news is what's going on with the election in the United States. No matter where you are in the world, that's going to be in the news. A crazy. Uh, so, you know, that's not economic. It's election. It's politics. And most people just aren't thinking about the economy now. So that's why I'm going to give you some ideas to think about right now. So I mean, did you know, for example, that the U.S. economy is softening right now? Some of the major indices that have come out recently have said, that the U.S. economy is starting to fall off. Why? Because that huge source of money coming from Congress has been shut off. It's not coming. Uh, and, and that's uh, tragic for those people involved. Absolutely tragic. So here's the first question. Did you know that the U.S. median home price is going up? The question is, why is the median home price of the United States going up? And this one I'm going to actually answer for you because it isn't just because people are buying houses and the prices are going up, even though that's obviously always the answer. It's a little nuance to that. You see, it's actually, well, first let's start with a median. What is a median price? Say 100 homes are sold. You rank them in order from the highest to the lowest price. You count down to the middle one, the 50th home. And, you, and whatever price that house sold for is the median price. It's the middle price, not the average price, the middle price. Okay, well, right now it's uh, the people that are buying and selling their houses are kind of the upper middle class, the middle class and upper middle class people who are mobile, who work from home, have professional jobs, are generally making more money. So they're looking for more expensive houses. That's what's going on for them. And uh, and that pushes the median price up. Well, let's say that, uh, the, this is not true, but let's say theoretically, all the homes sold were though in that group in the next month. Then you'd look at the next month, and all 100 homes were bought and sold by uh, median priced people, by the upper middle class people. You might go down, obviously all that would move up. The, the halfway down price would have moved up because prices move up. But what happened? Uh, if you just look in the United States, Normally, the prices above the median are the upper-priced houses, below the median are the lower-priced houses. So the people who don't have money, the poorer people in the United States, don't have the money or opportunity to move. They're not considering selling. That is the nuance of what's causing the median price to go up for homes in the United States. Are there exceptions to that? A lot of them, sure, of course. But that's the big driver right now. Okay, it's question number two. This is a good one for you to think about. 
what influence will the vaccine, right? That's in the news. Two vaccines have been announced already. What influence will that vaccine or vaccines have on the economy, on the GDP? What influence will it have? Now, what I want you to do is to take into consideration the time frame here. When will these vaccines be coming out? When will we be able to vaccinate 340 million people? I mean, did you know that the first dosage coming out is going to be 40 million doses, of which you have to have two per person? That only means 20 million people in the first month that it comes out will be able to get it. 20 out of 340 million. Eh, it's going to take a while, right? It's going to take a while. So I want you to take into some guesses on when that will happen, because when the economy is uh, clearly a, a vaccine helps the economy. So the when is an important part of that. Here's another consideration. What percentage of the population will take it and what percentage of the population won't take it? Uh, that will clearly have an impact. More importantly, what does that mean afterwards? What changes? After, let's say, the vaccine's rolled out, the people who are going to take it have taken it, people who are not going to take it have not taken it. What happens then? That's the question for you to answer. I will not answer that one for you. And here is the third question. What does the virus testing do to the economy? Okay, I mean, that's an interesting question. What does testing do to the economy? Now, take into consideration two things. First, uh, if you have more testing, you're going to catch more people with the virus, right? That's bad, right? Because the number of cases is going up past. The more, if you do even more testing, you'll catch even more people, etc., etc. So more testing, not good for the economy. I mean, it's being used for lockdowns and thought processes like that. Okay, but what about if you use testing for travel or restaurants, recreation facilities? What if you use that? For example, let me tell you that what the cruise lines are thinking about doing, I believe they will be doing it, is they will be testing every passenger when they get, before they get on, as they get on the ship, the actual day they get on, and they will test them the day they get off. Well, why? Well, test them the day they get on so all the passengers feel safe about all the other passengers on the ship. Okay, and what about the crew, I ask? But that's a separate question. And uh, testing getting off? Well, I, if I'm a passenger, I wouldn't care if I'm testing getting off or what everybody else's is. But the port that you're coming into would be very interested to know that everyone is tested and does not have the virus getting off of the ship. So that's a good thing on the economy, right? You can start using testing to actually drive the opening of businesses. Okay. Uh, I haven't talked about the overpriced stock market too much. I mean, I tend to kick at it that can down every so often, but Let's talk about it a little bit. I'll give you kind of a different angle on what's going on in the stock market right now. The, uh, you know, the over by overpriced, I mean, how do you price a stock market? I personally use the price to earnings ratio uh, on where it is. And I've always said it's high. Okay, well, markets, another thing that we've talked about in the past, how do markets act? Markets tend to return to their mean. If you have an overpriced market, it'll come back down to the mean, meaning the average maybe go below it, come back down, circle around the mean, up and down, up and down. Okay, so if we have an overpriced market, it'll come back down to the mean. 
So how overpriced is overpriced? Well, how do, you can look at markets as a statistical event. You can say, hey, if a market is up a little bit more, is that what percentage of the time of times is that? And you can create it and look at a standard distribution. That's a nice uh, statistical term of, uh, of, of markets. Well, if a market is one standard deviation away from the mean, that happens quite frequently. Uh, that's the normal fluctuation in markets. What about a two standard deviation? That's getting, that's pretty big in statistics, two standard deviations. Well, that's very rare. That is just bottom line. It's very rare that happens. What about a three standard deviation? Well, that should be impossible, right? Except that it has happened twice in the history of the market. Once in the year 2000, for those of you who can remember that far back, that was the tech bubble. I remember uh, it very sadly. I can tell you that. And now. It was in 2000 and it's now. We are at a three standard deviation from the mean. So take that for what it's worth, please. So let's look at today's market instantly. What's going on today? And the question is, how bad is this place we are at today? What's going on today? Well, we have uh, increasing virus cases, hospitalization cases. That's uh, clearly in the news. They're peaking right now, very high. And this, the stimulus money that the uh, government spent on people is running out. That's kind of a double whammy on the economy today, right today. So the question for you is, how bad could that get? That's uh, an interesting question to answer. The sixth and last question for you is, and I'll give you a, a, a lot of information about this one, is how bad are junk companies? You know, what's a junk company? A junk company is one that's hanging on and it can't pay its bills, but it hasn't gone bankrupt yet. That's a junk company and it's a, a very broad description. I'll give you a little more delineated one. Well, this season, this, this last year, we've had a very, very mild bankruptcy season. Even though we've had a huge hit to the economy through the uh, economy being shut down. You know, GDP fell 30, 40% on an instantaneous basis. Now it's coming back. It's around 80%. It's, you know, up, up to uh, minus 20% of what it used to be. Kind of where it is, hanging in there. Well... Did you know that 300 companies this last year, they took government stimulus packages? 300 of those companies that took it are now bankrupt, to give you a feeling of how bankrupt companies are, so they continue to go bankrupt. Uh, did you know that 15% of all companies in the United States make no money? That's uh, awful. Here's another one. Now, this is just, I'm going to talk about the 3,000 largest, so the big, companies in the United States. 15%, oh, no, eight, not 15, 18% of those 3,000 companies can't pay the debt on with the earnings that they make. When you can't pay the amount of debt you have in a year from your earnings that you make in a year, you're uh, in a unique category called a zombie company. Zombie means 
you're the walking dead. And that's pretty appropriate. But those companies added a trillion dollars in additional debt in this year, 2020. And this year's not over yet. Woo-hoo! Uh, and to show you how that's growing right now, yeah, at the end of 2019, there were 335 zombie companies. Today, there's 526 zombie companies. So they're growing. That's not a good sign. So the question for you is, what about junk companies? How bad is it? Are they going to hit the economy? Or is there an opportunity? Is the What about junk companies? It's kind of a general question. With that, I'm going to say goodbye. Can't wait to see you all again next week. Think hard about those questions. They all have answers. And uh, there's no wrong answers. Be talking to you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. This is Tom Harvey, and I'm an investor and not a financial advisor. So understand that nothing in this podcast should be construed as advice or a solicitation to trade in any market. And I disclaim any responsibility for any negative effect of decisions made by listeners. <laughs>